The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to the podcast, our live stream devotional. Thank you for joining us again this morning as we take a few minutes out of our day to be in God's Word. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you're encouraged in the Lord and hope today will be a help to you as we look to uh, really just to point our attention to Almighty God, God the Father today, as we continue in our study in the book of First Peter. Uh, yesterday, we finished with one of the more popular or often referred to sections of the book of 1 Peter, and that is where, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter tells us to be holy, as he is solely separate, distinct, unique to the world. Well, now we, please understand that, kind of the way this is, these are not verses as we understand, they weren't inspired that way, they were paragraphs. These are letters written. And so in this paragraph, in this context, the verses we're going to look at today sit in the same context as this and command to be holy, to be distinct. And again, without going into all the details of what that means, you can watch yesterday's or listen to yesterday's episode, and that will give you an idea of what, what, it, what we're talking about here. But we look at this aspect and we, we evaluate it from okay, being holy, and, and it gives us a bigger depth. A lot of times we say, well, holy, that just means super spiritual things of that nature. And today, I think we're going to give a greater depth and a stronger foundation for why the the, the the whole purpose of all of this to to sacrifice to give to be involved to be holy to to live a life that is not like the world not as it was as as he says in this passage according to the former lust of your ignorance when you were not saved you lived a certain way which made complete sense you you're saved you're growing you're new now why the distinction well let's look at this okay we're going to be in verse 17. He's, he just finished be holy for i am holy and then he says in verse 17, same context, continuing thought. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained, who before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. So let's go back to verse 17. We're going to unpack this. Really, what we're seeing ultimately is we're seeing that the premise that through Christ, we have access to the Father. You remember in the Old Testament, um, there was initially the tabernacle, then the temple, and the temple had three sections, and the very back one was the Holy of Holies, so that was where the Ark of the Covenant was, and where God's presence would come into the camp. Only the high priest could go in, and he had to be purified, he had to be bright. If he entered that with sin, it ended up costing him his life. But between the holy place and the Holy of Holies was this veil, very, very thick uh, curtain, it's really a weak way to put it, but this veil that separated the two. And that separation was a result that sin had not been dealt with completely. When Jesus died on the cross, and he used the phrase to die, it is finished. He, one of the many things that took place naturally, supernaturally in the natural world was that veil was rent to, top to bottom, rent open. And what was happening is sin had been finally dealt with, it was paid for, and we can now come into the presence of God. And that is a little bit of what we're seeing here is kind of more detail. What Peter's trying to explain, remember, this would have been very new to these people. This would have been just in the last couple decades 
that's still new and he's trying to still explain these things. Most of us coming to God in prayer and into his presence, um, we almost just take it for granted too much today. I, I, have, I have time, I have that, and I think we miss the awesomeness of what it is. But So there's some really, I could say, some awesome, sobering thoughts that Peter gives. And I appreciate Peter. If you've ever studied him, you're going to find out Peter is a, he's a, he's a straight to it, kind of outgoing personality. He, I kind of see him as the kind of personality he tells you what he thinks and he doesn't hold back. Well, he definitely doesn't do that in these verses. So he says in verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges every, judges according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So if I'm going to be holy, why? Well, if I'm going to claim God, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to walk with Him and save, He goes, please understand, He's going to judge every man's work according to His. He's not a respecter of persons. God does not look down and see us in the Christian realm the way we do. He doesn't see a very well-known pastor. To Him, it doesn't matter. He, he's given them an opportunity. What they do with it, that's between Him and God, Right? Some of them have abused it and maybe either not saved or will answer to God for their abuse of that situation so they can become well-known. Uh, some have not taken advantage of it and God's going to say, you've wasted the time I gave you. But God doesn't look and say, well, the pastor's better. Well, then there's a few people in the pew. I don't know. God doesn't judgment according. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't see position. He doesn't see this outward look. Well, you look good. You say everything right. You know what you're doing. God sees the heart. And he looks down and he goes, I don't care what the world thought you were. I don't care how, what the world thought of you as a Christian. I see your heart. I see your reality. And I'm going to judge you according to that. Unsaved will be judged at the great white throne judgment. We will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, while I believe it's true that we will not be judged for our sin at the judgment seat of Christ, because that was dealt with at the cross, that's not what he's referencing here. He's referencing our actions. What are we doing with what we have been given? That's what he says in the end of the verse. Um, pass the time you're sojourning here in fear. Don't just live empty and indifferent to God. We can. We can say, well, I'm saved. I'm good. I'll hit church once in a while. No big deal. And, uh, you know, I'm really not too worried about prayer, Bible reading, and all these things. He goes, listen, you now saved. You're part of his family. He's encouraged to be holy, distinct, different. The world should see uniqueness. And I said this yesterday, not weird, but unique. The world should see that there is something different about us than it is about them. And please understand, the world is desperately longing for some semblance of hope, purpose, meaning, and it's just getting further and further away from God looking for it. And most people are just so desperate. We have it. That alone should bring a distinction. Not necessarily we never have problems, but there, there's a hope. There's a distinction in our lives that the world sees. And that's what God is saying, the separation. And he goes, listen, if we're going to long to follow God, he's going to judge what we do with all that we've been given. This is a bit heavier today, but it is, it's important for us to catch this. It's a challenge from God. And he says in verse 18, he kind of breaks down why God's position in our life. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, God did not buy us with things like silver and gold. He did not redeem us from sin with money, with the emptiness of money or um from your vain conversation received by tradition of your father. The contracts and the money and the exchanging of goods here in this earth, those things were not valuable enough to redeem us. It required, verse 18, the precious blood of Christ. as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He goes back to the Old Testament practice of the uh, spotless lamb. Now, the Old Testament practice was only an atoning. It only covered the sin. Jesus erased it. He eliminated. He completely abolished our sin. And he goes, he, it was not purchased with any level of money. We are, it's too valuable. Sin is too great. 
It had to be purchased with the blood of Christ. He goes to verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He has been prophesied since the beginning of time, but now he is here and he has done the work for us. Who by him, by Jesus, do believe who in God. We believe in God because of Jesus. God raised Jesus him up from the dead and gave him glory that your, that our faith and hope might be in God. And so he comes back to this whole thing that our focus is on God. Our focus is on God and we can follow him. And we look at God sometimes and we kind of see him as, well, he's there when I need him. And, you know, when these situations are bad and I'm going to come to God and if it doesn't work, I'm going to stay away. And he is reminding us in the same context of be holy is our reverence to God. So I was reading some commentators this morning before doing this. And one of them I thought made a great point. When you go in and talk to the Father. We, we come into the Father, and sometimes because we see him as Abba Father, we see him as his personal relationship with God, we sometimes demote God down as our Heavenly Father or our earthly fathers. And today, the earthly father's really been diminished in authority. Some, some of it's our fault for not really leading as God would have us to. Some of it's the culture that has put us down. But it's because we have demeaned the human father, we can also often move God out of his position of great holiness and lower him down to where we want him to be. And he's saying, listen, that's not what we do. We should go before the heavenly father with reverence, with respect, with an awe that this is God. This is holy almighty God. Please understand, forgiving, gracious, holy God merciful, long-suffering, but still holy. And when we go to him, we go to him before him in reverence, we go to him and we should look like him. We should look like our father. And that's kind of what he's saying. He has this great place of respect. He is God upon the throne. And while we've been told to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, that's true. We're not going to get that from a God who's not holy. And that's what we need to see. So let me encourage you today. Don't, don't look at God as so distant that you can't come to him. Don't look at God as cruel. He won't love you. Look at God as a loving, gracious God but a God that does ask something from us. He asks us to be holy. He asks us to be unique from the world that is desperately looking, that has no answers. He's asking us to resemble his son in this world. And that means we need to resemble that in our homes. We need to resemble that in our marriages. And it takes a commitment to this God. It takes more than the average. We need to kind of be all in and and be going forward on that. And this today is very much a challenge. And you say, well, I know that my desire is always to encourage, but I think this is an encouragement. I'm encouraging us to see God where he is and then to live in light of that. Because let me tell you, the problems you're facing, the battles that you have to overcome, I hope we understand something. We need a big God to be able to overcome those. And we need to make sure that we view God that way so that we can expect God to do great things. Thanks again for joining us today on this uh, Thursday morning and giving me the chance to be part of your day. I greatly appreciate it. I hope it's a help. I hope it challenges us to see God as we should, which should give us a great extra level of confidence and courage and hope in Him. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow.